Lord, I just thank you for everybody in this room today. I just thank you we all were brave the cold, brave the snow, and just pray for the people online listening. Pray that technology works great and that uh, they can hear me. And I pray that our hearts are open, our ears are open, and um, just help me give me the words to speak and speak clearly. In your name we pray, amen. amen. So how many of you have ever had a bully in your life? Most of you. Maybe those that probably didn't raise their hand, you probably were the bully, right? <laughs> so today we're going to look at a story that Hollywood has actually made billions and billions of dollars off of this story, retelling it in different ways, different storylines, but essentially it all boils down to the story of a big bully. Those movies, think of a Disney movies. There's lots of Disney movies that the theme is really there's a bully in this. If you're my age or a little bit older, you probably have seen Molly Ringwald movies, and if you really think about it, there's always a bully in those movies. Karate Kid is one that that's about bullies. Rocky movies are about bullies. There's even for the younger ones, the Avengers Endgame. Thanos was probably like the biggest bully around. So there's there's stories of these bullies. Those are the movies that I'm talking about where there's these insignificant people, this, this nerdy kid, this loser, this nobody, just this average Joe that is, you know, probably pretty similar to all of us in this room. Just these, these, this person that they end up taking on this bully. They end up taking on the mean, the mean cheerleader, or they take on the overprotective boyfriend, or maybe there's a corrupt government or the evil stepmother, or a giant. In this case, we're going to look at David and Goliath, if you haven't figured that out yet. Story about a giant. Now, David was the youngest son of Jesse. Right before this episode of David and Goliath, we see Samuel anoint David to be the new king. And I'm not really sure they, all, they quite understood what was going on there because David was still sent out to be the shepherd, to still go do the little brother things to do all the things that the older brothers didn't want to do. So David's life consisted of taking care of the sheep and being the errand boy. And he was really just this insignificant little brother, this nobody that everybody kind of dismissed because he was the youngest. Now, in our story, it's nothing different. Jesse, his dad, sends David out to go check on his older brothers. His three older brothers are at war with that common enemy again, the Philistines. I told you a couple weeks ago, the Israelites and the Philistines just are always fighting. It's a never-ending battle. But David has delivered his food. He's given it to his brothers. He's done what he was asked to do. And now he's kind of poking around camp, seeing what's going on. And this giant comes out. Goliath comes out, and he challenges Israel. He challenges the nation and says, somebody come fight me. Morning and night he's doing this. Come fight me. And if you win, then... We'll be your slaves. If you win, if, if I win, then you guys are our slaves. And nobody wants to do that. Nobody, nobody's doing that. So David is asking questions. He continues to ask questions. And his older brothers, his, actually his oldest brother who is really angry, he's really angry at him. He's in, he just doesn't seem to like David very much. And he comes out and he, he, he probably is yelling at David and he says, what are you doing around here anyway? So what are you doing around here anyway? He's, he's, he's asked David this question, and in those movies that we talked about earlier, if you think about those movies, if you think about the line, the very first, first time that the kid gets beat up, the bully usually goes to him and says to him, he goes, why are you here anyway? Why are you talking to my girlfriend? Why are you doing that? So why are you here anyway? And then that 
movie line always goes to then that starts the process of this, this insignificant kid to all of a sudden become the hero. This is really no different in our story. So if I asked you, what are you doing here anyway? What would your answer be? What are you doing here? Well, it's probably lots of, never been, maybe we've never been asked that question. But I, I think David, if he was asked that question, he probably would, he maybe not, wouldn't have an answer to that either. But God, God knew. God knew the answer to that, and he had David there for a specific purpose. Now, our story, we're going to begin in 1 Samuel 17. We're going to start at verse 32, and we'll read that. If you've got a Bible or if you're at home and you want to grab that, you want, you want to turn to that. 1 Samuel, I'll give you a second to grab a Bible and do that. Um, Allie was actually, COVID has even hit Allie a little bit, so I'm not sure if we have that on the slides or not. But we'll start reading in verse 32. It says, don't worry about this Philistine, David said to Saul. I'll go fight him. Now, this, this is a nine, over nine foot tall guy. This guy's big. His, his spearhead was over 15 pounds. And David's going, don't worry, I'll go fight him. So Saul says, he says, don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. So somebody finally with some logic. Finally, Saul's like, David, you're crazy. Look at this guy. And those movies, when, we're, when we look at those, don't you remember that often the, the time of the, the kid's friend that's about to get beat up or he's going to go fight whoever it is? They go, why are you doing this? You can't do this. You're going to lose. Said so this guy, he's been eating people like you for breakfast since he was born. Remember in, in preschool, he was beating people up. He goes, you can't fight this guy. He's been doing this whole life. He's a killer. All you are is this nerdy, pimply-faced kid. You're nobody. So what are you doing around here anyway? But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. David's just got such enthusiasm. He's so confident. He's so sure of this. He, 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 he's not afraid of this guy. So finally, Saul, Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead. And he's probably saying to himself, he said, kid, you're going to get destroyed. You don't stand a chance. Saul said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with the shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield-bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ready-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared, that you come to me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of the gods. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of the heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. 
Today the Lord will conquer you, and, will, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone here will know the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you, will give you to us. Now, can you imagine Goliath right now? That is a mouthful. Coming from this this boy named David that David, Goliath is probably being insulted of like okay here's this kid with shepherd's clothing and he's he's got this is what he's got a, a, a sling and he's going Israel this is the best you have to come face me to come fight me David's or Goliath is probably raging raging mad right now he's probably furious going I Come here, I just want to rip you to shreds. I want to rip this little twerp and just feed you to the birds. Then the story ends. It says, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran to him, met him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Can you imagine? I don't know, has everybody, anybody ever tried to use one of these? It's like I messed around with it this week, and I think you put it on your finger, and you kind of whip it around, and you're supposed to put a rock, and you're supposed to time it so that, but yeah, that's about what happened. But could you imagine going after a nine-foot guy with something like this? So I asked, David, what were you doing around here? What were you doing? Well, he had a battle to fight. That's what he was doing. And it's funny how David was really just at the right place at the right time. And it's funny how God, think in our lives, remember there's times where God just there's, puts us in the situations where we're just at the right place at the right time. Who remembers the movie Karate Kid, the original one? Remember when, when Daniel got beat up the first time by the Cobra Kai? Remember, remember that? And who all of a sudden appeared out of nowhere? Mr. Miyagi. Right place at the right time, saved the day, went off, saved Daniel. And just like I said, the right place at the right time. Now, David, Goliath came out for 40 days. He's been coming out for 40 days, day and night, challenging the Israelites. Come fight me, come fight me. Well, none of the Israelites accepted that until today. Because David came along, because he was at the right place at the right time. So what was wrong with these Israelites? What was wrong with them? What, what did this entire army, did this entire army lack confidence? Did they lack confidence that God would deliver them, deliver the enemy into their hands, that God would give them victory? If you look at the words of Deuteronomy 20, verses 1 through 4, it says, when you go out to fight your enemies and you face horses and chariots, and any army greater than your own. Do not be afraid. The Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, is with you, for the Lord your God is going with you. He will fight for you against your enemies, and he will what? He will give you victory. David knew that. David knew that he would get victory. He knew that God would give him victory. David had the confidence. He knew that God would give him the victory. It was regardless of the size, the whole Philistine army was there, regardless of the size of the, size of the army, regardless of the size of the person in front of him. 
regardless of this nine-foot giant in front of him. Because we see that. You see that in verse 26 of, of what I just read in 45 and 47. Let me, let me just re read those really quick again. It says, Who is this pagan Philistine anyway, that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Then jump to 45. It says, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of the heaven's army, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give, it to, give you to us. So David, there's zero doubt. I see zero doubt that God is going to be victorious today. And like I said, David didn't see the size of Goliath. He didn't see the size of the army. He didn't, what he saw is the size and the power of God, the size and the power of God's army. Now, a, a few weeks ago, Stan gave me a little present. He called me at 8 o'clock in the morning, and he said, um, sorry, I'm not coming into church today. He said, uh, my back hurts. I can't walk. I can't get up. And he said, I don't know what you're going to do. Sorry. <laughs> so I'm like, great. So there was a giant in front of me that day. There was a giant. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? I was supposed to just sit back there with Ben and make sure the live stream worked and everything, you know, have this nice, easy day. Not so much. God had different plans. But what I did know is that I... Like David, I had this confidence that God would somehow equip me with something. He would somehow get me what I needed that day. And, and at the end of the day, he did. God was victorious that day. And just to name some of those giants in front of me, there was a huge giant of failure that was in there that day. Like getting up here and talking in front of you and talking online and looking like a gigantic idiot. That, that wasn't going to be very much fun. This giant of just being overwhelmed of, okay, I've got 45 minutes to figure out something. And just being overwhelmed. This giant of thinking, I'm, I'm not ready to come up here and just, just do this. Like, I need, I need all this time to do this, to do this, to go through my whole structure that we go through to, to, to preach up here. And I didn't have that. So I'm not ready. This big giant of just saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. This giant of saying, I'm just going to give up. And you know what? I'm going to put a sign on the door and we're going to lock the doors. But you know what? All those giants, and there was more. They didn't win that day. They didn't win that day. God won that day. So imagine if the confidence we have in God, the confidence that we have was, was such that we knew God would give us victory. That, As in Romans 8.31, a lot of us have probably have heard this before, but it says, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? God is for us. David knew that. David knew that the God of Israel was for him, was for them. How much do we know that God is for us? Have we ever thought about that, is that God is for us, and really really put that in our hearts? Now, that morning was a strain on me to, to realize that that still is, so I'm, I'm working on that process, as maybe some of us are, are in this room are still doing that. But this confidence that David had, how did he get this confidence? How do you get this confidence? Well, it was on the job training. David, David tells us about how he lions and bears would come and eat the lambs, try to eat the lambs, and that David would go after them and rescue them from the jaws of the lion and the bear. And sometimes he'd have to kill the lion or bear with nothing more than this. Now, let's look at verse 36 and 37 again. It says, I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do this to this pagan Philistine too. 
For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord will rescue me from the claws of the lion and the bear and will rescue me from the Philistine. Confidence. He's just oozing with confidence. And did you pick up something about the lion and the bear? That it's lions and bears. That it it seems like it wasn't just a one-time event. That there was multiple occasions that a lion or a bear would come and eat, try to eat a lamb. That it was a constant training session, constantly having to battle this, constantly having to fight this, so that when he was time was ready, this on-the-job training, he could fight this nine-foot giant named Goliath. I think there's lions and bears that we face in our lives. If we think about there's there's probably lots of those that, that we face. And, and do you ever just, is it just a one-time thing? Do you ever just face something once and then it's over? Or do you find that things come up over and over constantly? There's always something. It's never just this fairy tale that we face these multiple occasions. Now, I've never fought an actual lion or bear myself. I don't really think I want to. But there's things like I can think of lots of people that in my life and throughout my, my, my career that people just, they challenge me. Like, I would probably rather actually fight the lion or the bear than have to deal with this person. That's, that's kind of what I'm talking about with this. This is the on-the-job training that we, that we have. Now, as I mentioned, David had this on-the-job training with this, this sling. And I said, we're not gonna, God's not going to require us to go kill wild animals with a sling. But we have some tools for our training. We do have some tools for our training. One of them can start with this. One of them can start with the Bible. We can read the, the firsthand accounts of like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and even Paul and some other people of just firsthand information about Jesus, firsthand information about God that we can read and we can get this on-the-job training. And then another thing we can do is we have a God that we can talk to. We can pray. We can pray to our God, and we can listen to our God also. Now, we also, we're in a group today. We're in, in church. We're in a community. We can meet outside of church. We can meet as a group. We can meet as in, in individuals with some just one or two other people. We can, we can have this community, and we can learn to get along with each other. We can learn to work with each other. We can learn to listen. We can learn to love each other, and we can also learn to forgive one another. And then the really cool part is that we, we can even share our story. We can tell our story to other people that we can tell our story of what Jesus did on the cross. We can tell our story of Jesus rose from the dead and he's alive now. That we can we can tell our story of this forgiveness of sins that we can tell others about God and invite them into that relationship and that confidence that they can get with God. David was getting that on the job training to prepare him for the battles he would face, that confidence, giving him confidence in God. But this on-the-job training, why we have this on-the-job training, it gave David natural instincts. It gave him natural instincts because defeating these lions and bears, you know, if you think you lion and bear coming at you, that when we do this, you have to, you can't, don't have time to think. So when you're fighting Goliath, he didn't have to think about this. He didn't have to think about what I'm going to do or how I'm going to do it. He just did it because it was natural. And Saul tried to give him his armor, tried to give him 
all of his stuff to go fight this battle. And David's like, dude, I can't wear this. I can't even stand up in this. It's like, I can't fight with this. I'm not used to this, man. I'm, I'm, I got this and some rocks. That's it. That's all I need. I'm not going to need that. So he grabbed five stones and put them in his bag and headed off to fight Goliath. Did you, David couldn't be somebody that he wasn't. He, he, he couldn't fight in Saul's armor. He, he wasn't used to these things. It wasn't him. David had to be David. He had to be this little brother armed with the tools of the shepherd a sling and some stones. And that was enough to face this giant. So what about us? What else? I can't stand up here and be Stan Simmons. I'm not Stan Simmons. I, I have to be me. I have to be who God created me to be, to use the tools that God gave me, the ones that, that God gave me to face those giants, to fight those giants. I can't pretend to be someone else. We all need to use those unique gifts that, that God created us to be. They're all unique. They're all special. We all have them. And we can use them together to be a body, to be a body that we can defeat the giants in our lives. And when we get these natural instincts, we get these natural instincts by this on-the-job training, by this constant practice, this constant just repetitive of doing this thing over and over, just being with people, just being part of loving people. Now, if you, let's bring this into an analogy of an athlete. An athlete spends hours and hours and hours practicing their craft, practicing what they're doing. They train and they train and train. So when the game time comes, when the light goes on, that they don't have to think about it anymore. So when a person like Kobe Bryant not Steph Curry, and the game is on the line, when they have to make that game-winning shot, they can just get the ball and they rise up and shoot and make the shot because it's just their natural instinct. They've done it so many times they don't have to think about it. So when David ran towards Goliath, it was his natural instinct to just, as he was running, he just reaches in his pot, grabs a stone, grabs a sling, and kills a giant just like he did with the lions and bears over and over again. Imagine if we spent that much time on the job training, that we knew God's word. We spent time here. We spent time with each other, that we trusted God enough, that our belief in, in God was such that when those lions and those bears came to eat us, came to devour us, that our natural instinct took over and we responded appropriately. We responded as God would have us respond. That our natural instinct would just almost became that of God, that we that God was in us, and, and we just had a God in our heart so much that that was our natural instinct. Now, I'm not talking about how the Israelites would respond, because that's pretty violent. God doesn't want us to run around with a sling and, and killing people. That's, that's not what it is. I'm not talking about that, that old covenant, that agreement that God had with the Israelites. It was kind of a you do and I do type relationship. I'm talking about what this covenant that Jesus brought, that Jesus brought to all of us. And it's, it's, quite, it's, it's radically different. It's completely different. But what if our natural instinct was what was found in Luke 6? I'm going to read some out of Luke 6. It's verse 20. I'm going to start in 27. It goes through 27 through 36. I'm not going to read it all. But just starting in verse 27, it says, But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. 
Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Verse 35 says, Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward in heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Imagine if that was our natural instinct, to love our enemies. Now, our, our world we're in right now, there's a lot of enemies to love. There's a lot of things that we can love. A lot of disagreement, a lot of division, a lot of things that... Just imagine if our natural instinct was to love our enemy. How some things possibly would change. They would change because God would be victorious. Now, David trusted in God. He believed in God. David found his strength in God. He was confident in God. But when it was time for battle, he ran into battle. Did you, let's look at verse 48. It says, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Now, this is a story that I've heard since you're a little kid, the story of David and Goliath. I've heard it lots of times. I'm sure many of you have heard it lots of times. And I never noticed that word in there before. David ran. David ran to meet Goliath. He didn't walk, he ran. And there's also running as another, it's referred to in, in this section also, verse 24, it says that the Israelites ran. But they ran differently. They ran away in fright where David ran away in confidence. David ran away because he was prepared. He knew that this Philistine giant wasn't bigger than the God of Israel. He knew God would give him victory, and so he ran with no hesitation. Now, you're going to think I'm crazy a little bit, but what, how much do you guys know about rhinoceroses? There ain't, there ain't no more They're big. They're big. They're, they are big. They weigh up to three tons. Most of them are one to two tons and that's a big animal. That's a very, very big animal. And did you know they can run 30 miles an hour? That's fast. You're not outrunning a rhinoceros. You're not going to do it. And the other thing about rhinoceros is that they can only see 30 feet in front of them. It's not very far. So can you imagine an animal that big running at 30 miles an hour, and you can only see from probably like me to Jim? That would be a little scary, I would think. So I'm going to borrow, I'm going to read a couple of quotes from uh, this book called Barbarian Way. It's, uh, it's actually fairly old now. It's, it's written by Erwin McManus. He's the pastor at Mosaic Church in, in L.A. So I'm going to read, I want you to listen to the, some of these quotes, and, and it says, Can you imagine something that large, moving in concert as a group, plowing ahead at 30 miles an hour with no idea what's at 31 feet? You would think that they would be far too timid to pick up full steam, that their inability to see far enough ahead would paralyze them to immobility. But with that horn, remember they got a, got a big horn on their head, pointing the way, rhinos run full, forward full steam ahead without apprehension. David ran 
full steam ahead without apprehension towards Goliath. He ran. He was confident. The quote goes on to say, Rhinos moving together at full speed are, are known as a crash. Even though they're just hanging around enjoying the watershed, they're still called a crash because of their potential. And you've got to love that. I think that's what we're supposed to be. That's what happens when we become barbarians and shake free of the domestication and civility. The church becomes a crash. We become an unstoppable force. We don't have to pretend we know the future. Who cares that we can see only 30 feet ahead? Whatever's at 31 feet needs to care that we're coming and you better get out of the way. That's how David ran towards Goliath. He knew the potential that was in him. He knew the potential that was in him because of God. He didn't fill his head with fear like the other Israelites did and, and run, but run away in fear. He knew God was an unstoppable force. He didn't care about that army behind him that he maybe couldn't even see. He didn't care that, about Goliath that was in front of him. All he knew is that God of Israel was going to give him victory, was going to give him victory over this giant. What giants in our lives do we need to run at full speed ahead? Full speed ahead, not worried about what's in front of you or what's out of our eyesight, what we can't see. That we need to run with no hesitation, no fear, full of confidence that we have what it takes to defeat it. Because we have God on our side. Philippians 4.13 tells us, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So we're like a crash of rhinos. We can be like a at our jobs. Maybe even in our own households. In the, in the midst of this whole pandemic, in the midst of these election results that are still ongoing, we have this potential that comes from God. This God that to be, it's an unstoppable force. David was an unstoppable force because he knew that Goliath was no match for his God. And that's our God. That's our God. So we don't need to run in fear. We can be an unstoppable force. Be united together. Now listen to this part. Not destroying everything in sight. Not creating division. But as we've seen in Luke, loving our enemies doing good to those who hate you, doing to others as you would like them to do to you. As I said, I, we can all think there's no shortage of giants in our world today. I've mentioned a few, and we can, we can come up with a lot more. But there, there is giants that we can, we can face. That we can begin to fight these giants, but we can begin to fight them with love. Now, my daughter has a has a new puppy. It's a black lab. It's probably about six or eight or nine months old or something like that. But she is an example of love. All she wants to do is just love you to death. You go in the house and she just wags her tail and licks you and jumps all over you. All she wants to do is love you. Imagine if we loved people that way. Imagine if we just loved people to death. Now, for some of us, we might have a giant in front of us that's keeping us from Jesus. We might have a giant in front of us that we think is preventing us from getting to God. But maybe we need to do is we need to run to Jesus. 
We need to run with him with no hesitation. And you know what? We need to run in such a way that that giant that's keeping us there, it, it better get out of the way. For others of us, maybe God is asking you to do something. Maybe God is, there's something that God has put on your heart and there's a giant in front of you. And we need to stop hesitating. And we need to run into what God is asking you to do. We need to stop, be like rhinos. And not worry about what we can't see. Because our God is an unstoppable force. So run with confidence, my friends. So what are you doing around here anyway? Well, I'm here to fight some giants. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for everybody in this room. I, I thank you for the confidence we can have in you. I thank you for the victory that you that you give us. I thank you for that that you're you're an undefeatable God, Lord. That that you your son, Lord, just by even being raised from the dead, Lord, conquering death, Lord, you conquered it, Lord. You're you're undefeated. So Lord, I just just pray for everybody in this room and listening online, Lord, whatever there is that that is people are facing whatever giant there is in their lives, Lord, that we can face that giant and we can defeat it, Lord, knowing that victory is at hand, knowing that you will give us the victory.